Welcome to One Man's Opinion, brought to you by the Elite Fantasy, Fantasy Guru, and EliteSportsBetting.com. And now, here's your host, Jeff Manns. Zindy, the podcast that's sweeping the nation. It is, I think, the season three finale today of One Man's Opinion. That is right, our annual season wrap-up and reflection and review and look forward and all that great stuff. We'll take a couple week vacation here. Uh, I'm not going anywhere on the other things, but uh, yeah, season three finale. Let's go out with a bang. What do you guys say? Welcome to the program. Thank you for downloading and subscribing, favoriting, liking, whatever, just listening in. However, I don't care if you're in the back of a pickup truck with a hobo driving you off a cliff. If you're listening to the show, we appreciate each and every one of you very, very much. It's you that drives this energy. It's you that drives this program and all the programming, at least that I put forward, including one man's opinions is episode 151. And if you're new to it, welcome in. I am Jeff Manns. You could hear me weekday afternoons on Sirius XM fantasy sports radio channel 87. I host elite sports from four to 6 PM Eastern over there. Also Sirius XM fantasy football pregame during the NFL season with Bob Harris on Sunday mornings. I am part owner and chief content officer over at fantasyguru.com. So we got that out. All the content rolls on folks, just because the football season is over. Doesn't mean it's not the busy season. Fantasy baseball draft guide is available. NBA DFS, NBA betting, NHL betting and DFS is there as well. We got soccer, PGA, MMA, NASCAR, college basketball, every damn sport in the world that you could imagine. Data, shows, live streams, podcasts, uh, rankings, and write-ups for DFS and bets for every damn sport and vivid picks and discord access to all the sports. It's all over there at fantasyguru.com. We have a promo actually going on promo code XFL gets you 30% off and that gets you 30% off of everything, including the fantasy baseball product, which was not supposed to be a part of that promo. It was supposed to be XFL and uh, specifically our franchise mode only package. But you know how the powers that be. They just put the promo code in, let it work, and now it's available on anything, so screw it. Might as well take advantage while they don't notice and they don't listen to this podcast, most likely. So uh, fuck them. Oh, yeah, by the way, this is uncensored. So get the kids and everybody, all sensitive ears, out of the car or the toilet or wherever you're listening to the show. I do so appreciate it. This is for big boys and girls. This is for adults who could handle opinions and context and talk that is opposite of what you may feel or like. That's just what we do here on the program. So appreciate that. And I'm going to curse as I just did right there. Follow me on social media at Jeff underscore man's on Twitter. The Jeff man's all one word everywhere else, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and on TikTok. All right. So where do we go from here? Right. What do we, what's the vibe? Well, I'm going to be back in just a couple weeks. So let me, let's go through the season. All right, let's go through the, this last year of the podcast. Number one, um, history of the podcast. If you guys want to have some fun the next couple of weeks, go back and listen to the first couple episodes. I really get into it with episode one. I talk about every controversial topic there is, tell you where I stand on it, everything. That was three years ago, so I may have changed my mind, but you know, I think it's a good place to start, and it's a good episode to always review on. 
Um, I wasn't sure going into this. So we had a good start. The podcast numbers were great to start. I think all podcasts, the way iTunes and Google Play and these entities, they do it. When you have a new podcast, they always promote the shit out of it. And they feature it, and it comes up in a lot of organic searches a lot more. But as and as it wears off, you fall down. So we start out hot, and then obviously COVID hit, and all the shit hit the fan, and our numbers went way down. I still like doing this program. I enjoy talking like adults. I like being able to curse and just talk like I would normally talk to you guys in a bar or a fuck my living room or backyard or at, at a Target if we met there, you know, and so I, I like that element of the show. I don't have to succumb to any pressures or any demands necessarily. We've had sponsors of the show the last couple of years, you know, on and off. And the thing is, it's not immensely popular. I would say it's a popular podcast. I think we rank in the top 70 uh, on iTunes and the top 80, uh, top 70 in Google play as well. And stuff like that. Okay. Eh. You know, most people would probably, and we fell out of the top 100 for a while there in season two. Now, couple of that was taking time off. I got ill late in season two. And what I mean in season two is 2021. And I've told the story before. So I made it through football season. I had a uh, major colon surgery in March of 2022. And I was diagnosed with that in November, 2021. So those last couple months, like a blur, I had a lot on my mind, got through it. We profited in DFS and betting and football, but really made it through. And when I signed off on this podcast last year, season two finale, which is still available wherever you get your podcasts as well. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure what I, I would be, to be honest. Like I didn't, I wasn't sure if I was going to die. I, everyone's the, no, no, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. All this shit for, I don't know how much actually I even disclosed, but I actually had a major problem on the operating table and I didn't almost die, but they said I had a severe bad reaction and I won't get into the gross parts of it because it's colon surgery and everything else. But I had a major issue that kept me in the hospital longer, kept my recovery down and all that. Um, I was not aware of this show, my Sirius XM show, my career in fantasy, I, my life. Fuck, I didn't know, right? So when I signed off, I knew I'd have surgery, but I was skeptical and I was worried. There's also a very good chance it was going to be a cancerous tumor. I had intestinal cancer back in 2017. We feared that this would be another version of that and everything else, even though they checked other organs and it hadn't spread. So but there was still a good chance. Turns out it wasn't. Thank the Lord. Very lucky. But I wasn't sure. So I didn't know what to say. And I didn't know what to do with season three. And I took some weeks off. I told you the everything went was way delayed. Everything was way later than I had anticipated or hoped. And um, thus... I wasn't sure where the future of the show would be or anything else. So ended up taking a month off um, last time. It was only supposed to be two weeks as it is this time. And 
then got back after it. And I got to say, it was the hardest thing in the world and a lot of, you know, where, and then I think the first few episodes that, you know, they unsubscribe you automatically and all this shit from the podcast, even though it's free, um, people go, wait, listeners are creatures of habit. I am, you are, I I get it, right? You have to be here for you. That's our, that's my main job is to just be here. Spent however you spend your time with me on this show and elite sports or anywhere else, it's part of your ritual and I get it. And thus I was out of habit, out of pocket for a month. So it was a real slow build, but I realized how much I loved it when I was bedridden for that month. I realized how much I love my job and love what I do, specifically talking to people, talking with people, taking on controversial topics, giving my opinions, doing analysis. I fucking love it, man. I can't get enough. In fact, I feel like absolute dog shit right now because I don't have enough to do. Fantasy baseball. Fantasy baseball is a lot easier than football because stats are already made. They're downloadable customizable i could i could combine and make anything i want it's not that hard right and so but football it's not like that football you have to dig and dig and dig for the data that's why people don't do it that's why you get a lot of the anti-analytics crowd in there that's why you get a lot of i just watched the tape i think you know the tape is important as you guys know but i think you need to combine that with analytics to tell the whole story and vice versa. I can't just use analytics without seeing the guy hit or play or what have you. So anyway, I love it. And I realized I loved it. So starting back and climbing up that mountain again this year wasn't too difficult. It was something I wanted to do. And it was something that was fun for me to do. And you guys support it. And I got to thank you from the bottom of my heart for supporting it. You know, we're back to a decent level, a great amount of downloads and, and interest in the, the show. We had some sponsorships throughout the season on and off. That's what they do. They come in, they, eh. yeah, they're always disappointed. They're everyone expects big numbers. And I don't know why. I mean, the numbers are the numbers. I don't give a fuck. Like if I believe in a product, I'll endorse that product and you help be a payment myself or my company, I don't take money for this podcast. Just so everybody knows, I've never taken a cent for this podcast. Not one single cent. But I would like to, (laughs) and I would like to pay more to my producers, uh, Sean Engel uh, and Sean Sandro Anello, and he's uh, whenever Sean doesn't make it, which is never because Sean's an absolute rock star. But there's a lot of people behind the show. We have the big voice lady, we have the uh, Rusty who does the tech work on this. We've got people behind the scenes. We've got a marketing team that you know, they say they market it. They never market this show, to be honest with you. And I don't give a fuck. It's, it's fine. But I would like to take care of the people. And that's why we bring in sponsors, but we bring in the sponsors that we like. But I'm proud of the season that we had. It was very unknowing going in. And we climbed a mountain. You know, We talked about different topics in – this past year, you know, we, we talked about the high stakes community and their elitism. We talked about uh, dynasty fantasy football. We talked about fucking um, league winner fantasy football. We talked about the NFL draft. We talked about um, fantasy baseball. We talked about guns. We talked about the, uh, taking the high road versus the low road. We talked about aging. 
right? We did the Digging the Dolphins podcast, which, I mean, could not have been a more perfect episode if you tried when the Tuanon people came at me in November, right? So, and then we did a shit ton of fantasy football all summer and all fall and all winter long. And I'm proud of it. You know, a lot of strong content. We've had guests. I love the Super Bowl preview episode with my boys, Ray, Ted, Phil, and Sandro. That was fantastic. We've had Tyler Beaker and Russell Clay and Armando Marsal on a few times as well. Uh, and it's just been a lot of fun. And I hope to get a lot more guests. So what I'm looking forward to for the show going forward is is more guests. You know, I, I'm sure you guys get tired of hearing me. I get tired of hearing myself. You have no fucking idea. Like I'm just spent when I record this on a Wednesday, normally on a Wednesday, uh, either morning or after or evening, like I'm done because coffee video, then radio show or pregame talk conversation, phone call for the radio show, then the radio show, then a podcast is like, dude, I'm tired of myself. Fuck, fuck this Jeff man's guy. So more guests this year for sure. And the other thing that we did and accomplished is we made a partnership with SiriusXM to get on the SXM app, to get on Pandora and other platforms. And again, uh, not being paid for that. There's no money involved in that uh, at all. It's just a distribution thing. And I'm very, very thankful for it. Steve Cohen, Jacobs, uh, or uh, our program director, I uh, always uh, just call him Jacob, but Jacob... Uh, Stevens Kittner is the guy, JSK. He is the guy that pushed for the podcast to be on the platform and everything else and worked out um, the distribution thing. So it's easier for people to do. And it's another resource to get people to listen. And that's great. I think we will plan on expanding that partnership here in 2023 and beyond. At least I hope so. And I think the feeling is quite mutual for it based on the conversations I had at Super Bowl and everything like that. So we're, go we're going like that. We're going to get into a lot of baseball. We didn't do as much baseball talk because I was hit and miss during the months of April. Remember, I had ass surgery. Now sitting on your ass for eight hours straight in a day, that, that was almost impossible. I had to do my fucking shows ass up. Or at least ass out for half the year. People don't, I don't know if I've, I don't know if I told people that or not. True story. I mean, that's just how it was. But my health is great. Things are good. It was a very great year for all fantasy football purposes, seasonal and daily and betting and everything else. And we need to keep that going. March Madness is right upon us. We're a couple weeks away from that. I'm going to reach, start this podcast right before March Madness. We get a nice couple previews in there. We're going to preview NFL free agency as well. Um, and then fantasy baseball draft season in earnest as well. So we got a lot to look forward to right there. Let me take you through. So that's the show. I want to thank everybody for their Commitment. Don't forget about me, please. Uh, you know, resubscribe if it doesn't come look for it. Check out at Jeff underscore man's. I'll announce, you know, when the first episode of season four is available. And hopefully, you guys come back and hopefully, I've given you a reason to come back. And if there's other things you want, if you're a fantasy guru subscriber, just hit me up in the man's cave. Tell me some topics or hit me up on Twitter or Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, man. Just hit me up. Tell me some ideas that you have or topics that you would like covered on the show um for football purposes nfl offseason is a big deal you got to pay attention the 
a lot of people recently have said, well, it's not football season. Football season's over. The minute Super Bowl ended, it's over. Stop paying attention. No, you're a fucking idiot if you do that. Because we've got comp- – right now, as of today, as of this recording, we are in the middle of tag season. What does that mean? It means transition tags, fran- franchise tags, exclusive franchise tags. could be assigned to any player or anything. We are seeing players like Taylor Lewan already be uh, cut. Randy Bullock, the Titans kicker. Titans just did a shit ton. Robert Woods has been cut officially. Derek Carr has been cut officially. Like, the moves are starting to happen. New coaches are coming in and going. Now, we only have five new head coaches, but look what's happened in Carolina. They have probably the greatest group of position coaches the NFL has ever, ever assembled at one time. I mean, it's just fantastic. And so they're doing something special in Carolina. We need to pay attention to that. So free agency starts that we same week as the uh, – or at first it's the combine, NFL combine, February 28th. So like one week or so from the now, we'll have Phil Backer live in Indianapolis covering it for us. So that's pretty cool, right? We're going to have um, the college pro days uh, coverage here, or I should say on fantasyguru.com. So that's that. Uh, and then we've get the whole deadline for the club. March 8th is the final deadline for everybody to designate. Or I'm sorry, March 7th is the day they have to designate the franchise tag or not franchise tag. Then March 13th is when they can start negotiating with free agents. The end of the league year is technically March 15th. But then as soon as 4 p.m. hits that day, it's the new league year, which means trading could officially begin. Now, the previous days, they could start negotiating contracts and trades and all that shit as well. So there you go. And then then we're off. Uh, 16th begins all uh, the free agency and everything else. And then the league year is going. And then the NFL draft happens in late April and you know we'll be covering it full on until then. So that's sort of the key dates for the NFL offseason uh as well. I did a fantasy football draft with the football diehards on Sirius XM uh last week, late last week. It was a best ball league. I'll take you through that real quick just so you get a sort of a precursor. I'm gonna get into a lot of fantasy baseball talk here on the show in this episode as well. But let's get into football just so you know where my mind is at as of now. Okay, and I've got my rankings over at fantasyguru.com, and that's already up in live for you also. Uh, I had the fifth pick. It was just a 10-team league in this one. Fifth pick for me. First pick was Jamar Chase. That's surprising, and that's not going to happen in most drafts. McCaffrey's going to be the first pick in every draft pretty much. I don't think enough people – value wide receivers despite all the data that it provides you so chase first McCaffrey went second Justin Jefferson third I was really hoping to get one of those three and one of them would fall to me at five at this point I was thinking oh all right well maybe Cooper Cup and no one's going to draft Cooper Cup why would anybody draft Cooper Cup he got hurt his numbers aren't great no he went fourth shit I'm not touching Austin Eckler no fucking way no way am I touching Austin Eckler in the first round next year. New offense, new offense coordinator, 
offense line, age, reliance on pass catching, reliance on touchdown. Every, I mean, there are so many red flags, it's almost insane. So he wasn't in consideration. Devontae Adams was in consideration. Tyree Kill was in consideration. Like I, my next running back, I really didn't have a running back that I was going to there. I like Jonathan Taylor. I know people, other folks don't like Jonathan Taylor because he had a down ear. Um, but I, for, I wasn't going to make that move either. So it left a tough decision for me because quite frankly, the best player left on the board, in my opinion, was Travis Kelsey. That's who I took. I took a fucking tight end fifth overall. It's not point and a half per reception either. So the thing about Kelsey is it's it's a tight end mandatory type league. So that was that. There is just nobody like him. I think that if you put Devontae, let's say Aaron Rodgers goes to Las Vegas like I believe he does. That's a great thing for Devontae Adams. And Devontae Adams had a great season in Vegas anyway. So he would be the receiver. But his numbers compared to Travis Kelsey's numbers are not far apart. And I would anticipate, and no, no, I fucking guarantee it that Devonte Adams outproduces Travis Kelsey next year. There's no question about that with Rogers or without, I think he does. Well, why don't you just take him because he doesn't play tight end. There's just nobody at that position. And quite frankly, when I look at all the new coaches across the national football, there are not many positive height and environments anymore. There's just not. So when you start projecting out, as I already have over at fantasyguru.com and start looking at these tight ends, it's like there just isn't, there aren't guys. Who's the next guy to jump out? And when they do, Kelsey lapped him by 100 points this past year. Now, maybe there's a Darren Waller, a Mark Andrews type system, but Mark Andrews is dead. No, maybe no Lamar Jackson, but Todd Monken instead of Greg Roman, that's a tight end will still be a part of the Ravens offense. And Andrews is still a top tight end, but that bloom is far off that rose. And I'll say this as well. This draft was with a lot of other industry folks. And even though Jamar Chase went first and Jefferson third, I know my industry and I know most of these guys will not break from their norm. They will draft the hell out of running backs and they're not very proactive. They're reactive, especially this time of year. They're not going to think about rookies who were included in this draft. They're not going to think about new coordinators. They're not going to consider those things. I know they don't. And it kind of did work out that way. Although I was, that was my thought. If I'm being honest, that was my thought before the draft. And after the draft, I was kind of impressed. I was impressed with the 10 folks that took part in this because they, I think they did way better than I thought. I was anticipating nothing but running backs and pretty much only two running backs went in the first round. McCaffrey second, Eckler seventh. After I took Kelsey, Tyreek Hill went off the board at six, then Eckler, then Devontae Adams, then Stephon Diggs, then CeeDee Lamb. That's pretty amazing. Seven receivers in the first round, one tight end, and just two 
running backs. That never happens. So right away, I was impressed. In fact, the guy at 10 on the wheel went CeeDee Lamb, then A.J. Brown back-to-back. Okay. Saquon Barkley went uh, 12th overall, second pick of the second round. Then Derrick Henry. Then we have our running back streak, right? Then everybody got panicky, which is okay. You know, at this point, yeah, Saquon, second pick of second round, great. Derrick Henry, I think, ooh. Listen, the second round, it's hard to argue but you knew that this draft happened before Taylor Lewan was officially, but Lewan had already said he's going to be released. They're going to lose more offensive linemen. Henry's another year older. I think the Derrick Henry run is done. I like Jonathan Taylor pick with the um, 14th pick overall. Then Kenneth Walker, 15. So I had the 16th pick coming back. I took Nick Chubb. Fuck it. Chubb was the last, uh, Chubb and Mixon. I had both of them right there, and Najee Harris pretty close. And I felt, all right, I'll get one of these. And no Kareem Hunt. The offensive line is all signed, all intact. The coaching staff's all intact on the offensive side. You got Deshaun Watson for a whole year. Just more Nick Chubb, more pass-catching opportunities. So I love that. Amon Ross St. Brown. Went next at 17. 18th pick was T. Higgins. 19th was Joe Mixon. Debo Samuel going off the board 20th, which I doubt that ever happens in most drafts, especially industry drafts, but I certainly loved it. I thought I'd get Debo on the way back, quite honestly. Did not. Then the running backs continued. ETN, Cook in the third round. Najee Harris. At this point, I thought I had Najee Harris in the bag. He went third pick of the third round. Josh Jacobs, fourth pick of the of the third round. So then I was left with the conundrum. I like Brees Hall, but I wasn't sure if the injury would scare most people off. But I got to tell you, there's a guy that I think will be a first-round pick in 2023 that doesn't even have a team right now. Bijan Robinson. He is the next Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley. He's the next can't-miss running back. He's the clear, far and away number one pick in dynasty drafts, and he doesn't even have a team. Now, it will matter what team he goes to, what situation specifically in the draft. But here's the 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 rub about B. John Robinson is that it doesn't matter. Well, it, it okay, it matters. He is most likely going to go to a neutral or winning team meaning they've got a good quarterback. They have a good offensive line, right? They, I mean, he's going to go, fuck, the earliest I could see him going, Eagles at 10. That would be the most slam-bang, unbelievable situation you'll ever see. But very well could with that pick from New Orleans at 10 overall. Could go to New England at 14. Could go to Washington at 16. Detroit at 18, maybe. I mean, these are all tremendous landing spots. Then where? We really don't have another home for him. Tampa at 19. Tampa has so many holes, they won't go, Bijan. Most likely, we're looking at Chargers, Ravens, Jacksonville, Dallas at 27, depending on what happens with Pollard and Zeke. Like, holy shit, almighty. Buffalo. At 28, 
I mean, every single situation is almost better than the next. That's because they don't put it. Bad teams don't rebuild around running backs. So that means when a, you get a guy, a talent like Bijan Robinson from University of Texas, that he is a slam freaking dunk in fantasy football. Now it will depend because I don't. You know, there's some situations. New England, for instance, I wouldn't love. Washington, I don't think they would just get rid of Brian Robinson. Of course, they wouldn't get rid of him. Detroit, he'd have to split with Swift. So these aren't ideal spots, but I'll tell you this. He's a third-round pick at the very minimum in any one of those spots I mentioned, any fucking one of them. So Atlanta at eight actually theoretically could take him. Right? That's another one. And look at their run game. Matt, him and that running game from last year would be, he could be the new Derrick Henry in Atlanta for Arthur, Arthur Smith who was offense coordinator in Tennessee during Henry's prime years. So I, I was all in. I think he'll be a first-round pick. I think the hype and everything else will lead him in the first round. I got him in the middle of third. Happy with that pick. Keenan Allen, Devonta Smith, Brees Hall did go off the board. Eighth pick of the third round. Mark Andrews and Josh Allen finish out that uh, r- that range. In the fourth round, or the, that final pick of the third round, Josh Allen, that's where the quarterback start. I thought I was definitely going to get a premium quarterback in that fourth round. That's what I was banking on the whole time. And it didn't happen because Josh Allen went at 3.10, the 10th pick in the third round. Second pick, then Jalen Waddle went, fourth, first pick of the fourth round. Then Jalen Hurts, second pick of the fourth round. Amari Cooper, third pick. Then Mahomes and Burrow back-to-back. And I was going to take either one of them. But my next best, Justin Herbert, Justin Fields, I just couldn't make that happen. I just could not make that happen with that pick. I went DK Metcalf in the fourth round. When it came back around to me, Justin Fields was off the board. Hopkins was off the board. I could have, and I probably should have taken Herbert. I didn't. I took Aaron Jones. I don't know why I did that. I don't like that pick. I should have taken Herbert. I'm not sure what the what, what I was doing there. But I took Aaron Jones. I think he will be a centerpiece of Green Bay's offense next year with Jordan Love under center. I do believe that. Anyway, the rest of my team, uh, that was my fifth-round pick. Jerry Judy in the sixth. Drake London in the seventh. You notice I haven't drafted a quarterback yet. Number one, this is a one-quarterback league. It is a best ball, so I needed two. But um, so, I guess best ball, so it's. But also the elite quarterbacks I just missed out on. From when Herbert was taken after me in the eighth round or the fifth round, there wasn't another quarterback taken until Dak Prescott first pick of the eighth round, and I didn't want him. I wound up in the eighth round taking Trevor Lawrence. I'm perfectly happy with him. With Calvin Ridley back, uh, most likely back with him and Christian Kirk, and hopefully they get Ingram uh, franchise tag. By the way, Calvin Ridley was the first pick of the seventh round. I've seen him go as high as the third round, which I think is bonkers. Until he's been, at the very least, he's got to be reinstated. You guys are fucking nuts. Terrible mistakes in drafts. You guys draft guys like Rob Gronkowski and players that aren't even playing, thinking you're like tricking the system, and it, never, it rarely works out. So Ridley in the seventh is fine, but it is an aggressive move. Ridley in the third is just suicide. It's terrible. Bad idea. Anyway, Trevor Lawrence, 
Then I went, then I got George Pickens in the ninth round. I don't know how he fell that far. Kareem Hunt in the 10th. Remember, he's still in this prime and is a free agent. Gonna be a starting running back. I think he goes to Miami. That's what I think. Quentin Johnston from TCU, rookie wide receiver, only early round receiver with any kind of size. Got him in the 11th. Zach Charbonnet, rookie running back in the 12th. I drafted Odell Beckham in the 13th round. Why not? You know, he's going to be on some team at least. Russell Wilson's my second quarterback. And I will just dare anybody go look at Sean Payton's history of quarterbacks. You can go back to fucking uh, Tony Romo and fucking uh, obviously Drew Brees. And you will see a pattern of tremendous fantasy success. You think Russell Wilson's not going to perform well with uh, um, Sean Payton? You're out of your fucking minds. I mean, this is remember Sean Payton led Kerry Collins to some of his best seasons of all time. You know, early in his career, so it's not like he just happened to get Drew Brees. He also hand selected Drew Brees. Also, was an undersized quarterback, just as Russell Wilson is. Didn't have the mobility, Russell Wilson. Didn't have the escape ability of Russell Wilson. But still very, very good. So um, that was my next, um, my 14th round pick. Alec Pierce, Tyler Higby, Pierre Strong, and Paris Campbell, who's a free agent. I took a bit of a gamble on him in the 18th round. That's my best ball team. Those are sort of my vibes right there uh, for fantasy football at the very least. Let's talk about, let's transition XFL. That began this past week. I was pretty impressed. I thought it was a good product. Some of the games were quite slow to start, but picked up immensely as the, uh, as the games went on that battle Hawks games, uh, St. Louis battle Hawks was a tremendous finish as well. And I, I like what I saw overall by by the XFL. I thought they did a, a really good job. Seattle, um, let's see, Seattle and the San Antonio's dog shit. The uh, other, man, blanking on the other team. It looked like a professional team out there. And I know that sounds kind of mean, but you saw a lot of ruggedness, a lot of sloppiness and a guy like Ben DiNucci looked the part for a good portion of that game before he absolutely fucking wet the bed. Right. So like I, I enjoyed watching it. I like minor league football. I think there's a place for it. I think there's a need for it. I think that you have to you pay attention to these players, these coaches. I thought the coaching was a lot better as well in this league. And I got to tell folks that it's not going anywhere. Minor league football is here to stay. Uh, I was one and one on my bets. I lost the Seattle bet. I um, won the first game bet. I'm blanking on that first game, by the way, I think, was that the, uh, Oh no, that was the uh, Vegas Vipers. They came back and almost won at the right at the end. And they lost the game by two, but I had three and a half points on them. So it didn't freaking matter anyway. So those are some of my takeaways um, from there. Specifically, I thought that Vegas Viper game, I remember that um, Luis Perez, did he throw? He threw three touchdowns, but he threw two pick sixes. 
Um, a little under the radar for those playing XFL, get Brett Hundley now. Brett Hundley, they gave him $200,000, which is more money than any other player in that league is making. Yeah, that Brent Hundley, former Green Bay Packer backup quarterback, he is now part of uh, the, the Vegas Viper team, and he is going to be their starting quarterback, I think, as soon as this week. They haven't formally announced it as of this recording, but I believe Hundley winds up being the, that guy, and he's got a good skill set. He can run. He can throw. He's a big guy. Um, you know, he's an NFL quarterback, right? And I think him playing in this league, it's a great chance for him to show off what he can do. We've seen plenty of Luis Perez through the AAF and USFL. So you don't give that guy that kind of money to sit the, the bench. Sink Sweeting, though, how about that for the Vegas Vipers? 20-yard touchdown. He's the guy that scored that touchdown with just seconds remaining. They couldn't get in for the two-point conversion. But that was a guy that was surprising. little surprising that he did as much as he did and seemed to be the go-to for the Vipers down the stretch. You know, So he's a name to know. He's very underpriced even this week. In uh, in DFS, and of course, only DraftKings is doing XFL DFS. FanDuel's sitting it out yet again, which is just fucking nuts. I felt Martavis Bryant, he got nine targets, didn't do much with it. He did not look as fast as he did last time we saw him in the NFL. Was it the Raiders? Remember, he was a gazelle. He used to be able to like walk on the field, like run on the field. His toes barely tapped. He's not that guy anymore. It's un- it's unfortunate. This happens in your 30s. But he did not I, – I think – I don't doubt they're going to force him the ball. We, But I think he may be the he, – he may be the third or fourth best wide receiver on the Vegas Vipers because I think Jeff Bidet, who uh, saw a ton of targets there as well, caught six for 81, caught two touchdowns. Geronimo Allison and uh, Sink Sweeting, who caught that game-winning touchdown. Hell, Matthew Sexton. Martavis Bryant could be – the fourth or fifth wide receiver in this team in due time, you know? So um, for the Arlington Renegades, that, that side of it, uh, Devian Smith was the lead ball carrier. And that was a surprise because it had been announced. And that's part of the problem. We don't get good box scores. We don't get good stats and we don't get good reporting, but fortunately the NFL has prepared us for this, right? Because Keith Ford was announced as their starting running back, and Devion Smith was the clear guy. I like Devion Smith, to be quite honest with you. And by the way, Sal Canella, I doubted it. People were calling him the Travis Kelsey of the XFL, and I doubted it going into last week. I don't doubt it anymore. Drew Plitt was their quarterback, which I don't think he holds the job. I think Kyle Sloter, who played with Canella in the USFL, I think they had a massive connection in the USFL. He Sloter will eventually be the starting quarterback, but Plitt peppered Canella by far and away the best tight end in this in this league. So there you go. That Battle Hawks in on San Antonio Brahmas game. The thing about San Antonio, I shouldn't say they're a shit show. They are just a run first, run heavy offense. That's all they're gonna do. And Kalen Balazs is just going to get a ton of work for the Brahmas, right? Just constantly. The 
St. Louis, that, and that's the entirety of the offense. There's nothing to the passing game. There's nothing to the receiving game for San Antonio. Jack Cohen, I'd see, I remember him from Notre Dame. There was never going to be. <laughs> the thing about uh, San Antonio, one of the, another injury note, though, is that Landon Akers, the one bright spot for their receiving game, he went on injured reserve after catching seven balls just for 35 yards. They signed Dan Williams, former USFL guy as well. So take it for what it's worth. But uh, that's the Brahma's entire offense. I thought for the Battle Hawks, A.J. McCarron was pretty solid. Uh, love seeing Hakeem Butler. Hakeem Butler is one of my one of the guys I thought when he was drafted high by Arizona was going to actually make something of himself. He's huge. I mean, he is such a massive man that not surprising to see him catch a touchdown at crunch time. Um, for the Battle Hawks either because he's just so much bigger than any of the defensive backs out there. But uh, I'd like to make up of this team. A.J. McCarron's got a little bit of, of swag to him. We know he could lead big organizations. I love Brian Hill. Brian Hill got hurt in that game and still racked up like 60 all-purpose yards. He came back in there. I don't know how he came back, but he was the first like three plays of the game all scripted to Brian Hill. First was an 11-yard pass, and then he got a couple runs in there where he got hurt. But I, I love him in this offense. And Marcel Aitman, Darius Shepard, Austin Prohl, Hakeem Butler, that's a hell of a receiving core for A.J. McCarron, too. The bad locks are going to be tough, very tough. I wouldn't doubt if they win this league. Um, Houston, Wade Phillips is the head coach, the Roughnecks. Defense was all over the Orlando Guardians. Guardians scored in the first drive of that game, by the way. Paxton Lynch to Cody Latimer. Remember them from the Denver Broncos days. Uh, 27-yarder, and that was it. Absolutely dominated. Sacked the quarterback seven times. That's what you get. Wade Phillips could have bring blitzes, those outside linebackers from every which angle, and it was just cruise control from then on. Paxton Lynch is going to be benched. As of this recording, he's not technically benched. But I did the updated depth charts over at fantasyguru.com, and I even I can't believe it. They brought in Quentin de Norman, Dormandy. DeAndre Francois is the guy that most likely will come in to replace Lynch. So keep an eye on that one for those playing, especially in DFS this coming time. Josh Gordon was good. Ben DiNucci was good, even though he fucked me on the winning. He couldn't get it for the two-yard line. He fumbles the ball. He was a mess, but he flashed enough that I think him and Josh Gordon and this Seattle team, it's going to be the Battle Hawks and the Sea Dragons in the XFL final. I could tell you that right now. No question in my mind. Offensively and defensively, these two teams got it. Good coaching as well. Good professional offenses. So, um, Picked that for what it was worth. I loved what the fans did in D.C., making the beer snake and pouring beer everywhere, throwing lemons on the field. I don't really like that part of it, but I thought it was pretty damn cool to see so many D.C. Defenders fans show up and get their team a victory there as well. All right, fantasy baseball. I know you guys are dying, my baseball people. Um, so I have a love-hate relationship with fantasy baseball, as you know. I love it but they hate me. They don't want to change with the times. I famously got into a big altercation about eight or nine years ago with several of the prominent fantasy baseball industry people. 
And it, it was behind closed doors. It was through email, but it was about league setups. And I said, I begged. I asked, I asked for like two years in a row, can we please do daily moves? We just change our lineup daily. Sub in somebody from the bench if a guy's sitting or if a guy gets hurt or what have you, just let us sub. I was told no two years in a row. Finally, it had gotten so ridiculous. This is 2013 or 2014. It had gotten so ridiculous that I pushed and I pushed hard. I'm like, guys, we have to. Like, this is absurd. Notice that was 10 years ago. Notice that NFBC, which is 80% of all fantasy baseball leagues, still don't do it. And I don't think they ever will. I don't know what's wrong with people. I have no idea why you wouldn't want the ability to change your lineup. People say it takes too long. No, it actually takes less time. We do it all the time in every other sport, basketball, fantasy basketball, fantasy football. You you change your lineup from your phone. You're taking a shit. You're hiding from your family. Whatever you're doing, it's easy to do. It doesn't take any time. You don't need big, long, drawn-out processes. These guys, these 50-year-old-plus guys, fell in love with spending their entire Sundays researching eight ways to Sunday the week ahead and planning every intricacy of their fantasy baseball lineups. And I applaud that. I love that effort. It was ahead of its time, and it was brilliant to do. Still smart to do. However... It doesn't matter anymore. They don't tell you. There's an injury on Saturday. Guy's off Sunday. Everyone's like, oh, the day off is on Monday. So it, we get into the week. It's Tuesday where the team re- rejoins, and they go on the injured list. More people are going on the injured list, the IL, than ever before in Major League Baseball. More than ever. Pitchers are being shut down. Pitchers are being limited. We have more data. We know more about pitch type and contact type and hit trajectory, and launch angle, and everything else. Yet we can't use this information to obtain better matchups on a day-by-day basis? The fuck are we doing? What is fantasy baseball doing? Yeah, I love the NFPC. I love what they do. Love Greg and Tom. But as I said on this podcast a year ago, they became elitist. Not, Not the people running it. The people that play it, they think they're entitled to something. A lot of these guys, they think like it's it's like a fucking cult. Like I, I've been so out on the people that it's mind-boggling. I, I feel almost embarrassed by those people. Like embarrassed for them. Like it's embarrassing. Like that that's your entire life. It's not that it, if it was your life, that'd be fine, but the fact that your life is so simplistic in it. You don't allow any – they're obviously better players. If you – I'm a better fantasy baseball player than than a lot of these guys, and I'm not allowed to show it because the information that I have and knowing pitch type and contact type and using our smash report exclusively at fantasyguru.com, I'm not allowed to do it. So if I'm not allowed to be better, then what the fuck point is there? I think – that lesser players are more gravitated towards it. I think lesser players, more simplistic players, are drawn to contests like this. 
because they know they can't get exposed. That's what I think. It's kind of like the, it's, remember, was it Dwight in the office? There's Kramer and Seinfeld. That was a the karate against the kids. But he moved up in belt class and felt really good about himself. We're all the same skill level, Jerry. That's what it feels like to me. It's like, ah, no, you're not really. So what am I doing? Well, we've got an event over at fantasyguru.com, fantasy baseball tra- uh, spring training that's coming up in middle of March. I'll have more on that when season four commences in a couple weeks of this podcast. But remember, follow me at Jeff underscore Mans for more information about that and, and everything else that's going on in the next couple of weeks. So I'm going to participate in that. I will do one NFPC draft this year. I'm going to do a lot of best ball. I think best ball is where it's at. And underdog fantasy has a contest, fantasy baseball, best ball, where it's, I I can't remember exactly what the grand prize was, but it's very, very good. And I just love the fact that I don't have to do any fucking lineups. Right. It's just fantastic to me that I don't have to do my $100,000 top prize. I had to look it up. $10 entry, 56,000 people, 100,000 first. I'll take my shot. Why the fuck not? Right. So it's called the dinger. So I like that. I, I dig the best ball format. I wish you could make the moves. I mean, people say, well, Jeff, if you want to make moves so much, why don't, why? Would you want to do a best ball where you can't make any moves? Well, because if I'm going to be locked, I want everybody else locked too. If I'm going to have shackles on, at least it's an even competition. Right? At least it's an even competition that way. Getting My plan for fantasy baseball is this. I'm not drafting pitching early and probably at all. Back in the early 2010s, I used to famously not take a starting pitcher or any pitcher through the first 10 rounds of a draft and everybody called me nuts. And I performed very, very well in these leagues, uh, mostly industry leagues and all that. Um, NFPC, I won two NFPC titles, one of which I pulled that stunt, I will say. The other one, I did have a couple pitchers earlier. But I don't plan on drafting any pitching early. If I did, it would be an elite level uh, relief pitcher. That's what I would do. I'm not going to take shots on Otani the pitcher or Corbin Burns or Garrett Cole. Sandy Alcantara, I love very, very much. But some of the data suggests there could see regression due to the shift not being on in Miami or anywhere in the in Major League Baseball. I don't mind. He would be my choice. I'm not going to touch DeGrom. You can go fuck yourself on that deal. But I'll get my elite level pitcher. I'll I'll just get him later on in the draft, right? There'll be breakout pitchers that I'll go and find the, um, uh, Christian Javier who came on like a ball fire last season. Luis Castillo did much better in Seattle. Jordan Romano in Toronto, Framber Valdez in Houston. Look, any Texans, any Astros pitcher with that lineup that you can get in the mid to late rounds, fucking do it. Valdez is always up there and wins. Strike enough guys out. 
Ratios won't be bad at all. Those type of pitchers are the ones that I will be targeting. Guys that will come back. Um, you know, Chris Bassett, even though he's moving back to the American League, I love that curveball. Guys with a devastating pitch mix like him, I'll buy into. I'll get later on. Giolito, once he, he needs to keep that fucking changeup. He loses the grip on his changeup. He can't get over it. Brady Singer, uh, another one, bad, shitty team in Kansas City, but a guy that has the pitch mix to perform at a high level. You want the breakout pitchers because last year you look at players like uh, um, or even Rodon, Carlos Rodon, and McClanahan, and um, Dylan Cease, that was one of mine, my better calls last year, and fucking Spencer Strider. And these guys weren't drafted high. Alec Manoa, they weren't drafted very high. No, they weren't. Right? They broke out. And now I've seen this happen year in and year out, year in and year out. So we get that. Um, other things, I'm paying attention to the new rule changes like the shift like stolen bases. I think that players that attempt stolen bases that got thrown out a lot last year have a great chance to obviously improve that number and even run more. Now that the bases are four inches closer, a lot of bang-bang plays. A lot of bang-bang plays that can go either way that are now going to go to the, the way of the runner. I'm going to focus on early round Multi-category impact players, right? Acuna, yeah. Trey Turner, absolutely. Love Kyle Tucker. Love Julio Rodriguez. Love Mookie Betts. I'll probably take a chance on Fernando Tatis, though that one worries me greatly. But yeah, I want guys who aren't just one-dimensional. Jose Altuve I have every fucking year. Um... Dalton Varshow. I'm trying to just think of guys who make impacts in, in multiple categories. And that's that's what I'm going to be about in those early rounds. Guy like Corey Seager, get a premium position, you know, in a good hitting environment, and a guy who could add 20 or 30 points as batting average based on the uh shift rules now in this season as well. Uh, I'm in. I'll be a buyer, especially at that fifth, sixth round rate. So that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm looking at. And we have our fantasy baseball draft guide over there at fantasyguru.com. Probably only do one to two leagues this year of pure redraft. I'm going to do a lot. I've already done one best ball league um, on underdog. I'm going to do more of those in the coming days as well, coming weeks as we lead up to the season, try to get some of that money. But that that's basically my layout. Um Man, there's a lot with baseball. There's just a lot of ways to manufacture it. And I had a real tough time. I went through four revisions of my fantasy baseball draft month plan for the shows. And what I ultimately came down to was things that are most important to the categories. Don't lose sight. Don't fall in love with players. Don't fall in love with positions. 
fall in love with the categories. Because in fantasy baseball, that's what matters. And fantasy football, I think we do this more naturally in fantasy football where we know we actually move players way up that who kind of suck, but they get a bunch of – think of all those shitty – PPR running backs, the Danny fucking Woodheads and Darren Sproles of the world who are just garbage players in reality, but they catch balls and that's the scoring system. We all know the scoring system and why. In baseball, we got to do that too. Figure out what your scoring system is. If you're in a points league, are you getting more points for homers and RBIs or runs bad in? Do you get points for other things like Singles, doubles, is it total bases, strikeouts? Do you lose points for walks? Yeah. What is the system of scoring? Categories. Are you using the five-by-five five standard roto like the NFBC? Runs, RBIs, batting average, home runs, stolen bases, wins, saves, ERA, whip, and strikeouts? Is, are those attempted? Did you replace wins with quality starts or saves with solds? Saves plus holds. Yeah, what what do you award points for? Figure that out and attack those positions. Over at fantasyguru.com, we have category rankings. We actually have players ranked in regardless, call them flex rankings, if you will, where you could just, if you need batting average, here you go. And it's not a, we didn't do it just by projecting them out either. We did it by their makeup the type of player they are for batting average. You got to look at a lot of contact, right? You got to look at their knowledge of the strike zone. You got to look at the kind of contact they're making type of pitches. They're up against their splits, lefties versus righties day versus night dome, turf grass. These little elements all aid in a bed, the batting average category. It all matters. So you look at that, you comprise a player profile on that guy and that profile is more likely than not to hit for a higher average than the the mean or the median of Major League Baseball. So when we that's the way we do same with run producers for RBIs, run scores for that. Every category has a player profile to it. I'll go through it. I told you the batting average one for runs. You want you know speed helps top of the lineup lineups that are going to score a lot of runs that have big run producers behind them. Simple RBIs have the high on base guys in good hitting environments in front of them. Course field helps, right? Stolen bases. You want speed. You want athleticism. You want youth. You also don't want big contracts because the bigger the contract, the less likely they are to run. Now you get your Mookie bets and your Trey Turner's run that get to run, but they run a lot less than they used to. Think, look at what happened to Mike Trout. Eventually, you get too valuable that they don't let you run. So age, youth, contract matters with stolen bases, believe it or not. Strikeouts, it's it's pitch type. Have a dominating pitch. Have a good pitch mix. You could have only two to three pitches, but how you have a I, – I like personally – a big discrepancy between my fast, the fastball and changeup or off-speed pitch, whatever it is, because that plays. That is tried and true and will always throw hitters off balance. When you have hitters off balance, you get lesser contact. You get swings and misses. I like that out pitch. I like a devastating knuckle curve or slider or cut fastball. That's a true out pitch. 
right? I like that. That's strikeouts. For wins, I want guys to get longer in the game. Longer in game actually means they don't necessarily swing and miss all the time. That they generate low contact numbers. Low contact numbers adds to the win category or projected wins for it. Because they why they last longer in games. Well, last pitch, we know there's a hundred pitch and every fucking pitcher in the world is out. You're out, you're out, you're out. Early in the season, that could be 80 pitches. If you're a stud pitcher, it could be 75. So the more shitty contact hard or soft contact you can create early in the count, less pitches you throw, the more outs you generate, the further you go into games, more likely you have to get a win. For saves, dominating stuff. One tremendous pitch. Obviously, more security you have in the closer role, the better. That means a contract. That means veteran status. That means if you blow back-to-back saves, you're not going to be pulled. Majority of the league's doing that these days. For ERA and whip, these are just good pitchers. That's the compilation of the player profile. Soft contact, swings and misses, last deep in the games. That's pretty simple. Well, whip, at least, walks and hits Perinian's pitch. You don't want guys who are wild. That's where, like, your Robbie Rays. Their high strikeout guys tend to have poor or poorer whips. They throw too many pitches to get that strikeout. It's all they have to set guys up constantly. So strikeouts are good, but they're always overvalued. Same with home runs. So there you go. Those are sort of my ways to attack the hitting categories, the pitching categories, the categories in general, I I should say. Um, All right, folks, that's going to do it. Episode 151. This is the season three finale. I want to thank you all for your patronage this year on one man's opinion. It's been an absolute blast. I cannot wait to get ready to get going on season four. We'll take a couple week hiatus here. We'll be back in the middle of March. We'll have college basketball tournament. We'll have NFL free agency. We'll have fantasy baseball draft season all going at the same time. We'll have great guests lined up. We'll get Ted. We'll get Ray back up in here. Phil and Sandro as well. Other elite mafia members are Mondo and Tyler and Russell Clay, the siege. We got to get all these guys on this podcast and we will do it in the coming season. Thank you for ever for listening to anything on season three, go back, check out season two and season one. They're all living wherever you get your podcasts. A lot of great episodes in that I've got some of the more touchy feely. I'm going to talk about my brother in season four, some of my family members. I'm going to get into other controversial topics that are on the dais this coming year as well. I'm not going to shy away from anything controversial, political, religious. I'm going to go and tell you my opinion on everything. And why will I do that? You know why. You may disagree with something you heard on today's show or this entire season, but it was just one man's opinion, everybody. Remember that. And remember, your opinion is just as valuable. And I respect and admire all of your opinions just as you do, and I support them just as you have mine through season three. That'll do it for this episode. We'll see you in a couple weeks here, everybody. Check out Elite Sports, Sirius XM, Fantasy Sports Radio every weekday. There's no days off over there. FantasyGuru.com. Jump in that man's cave. Tell me what you thought about this episode or this season and different ideas that you have 
for the coming year over at fantasyguru.com and the One Man's Opinion Podcast. We'll see you next time, everybody. Deuces!